on a brand new episode of Benjamin Man McKay's Talk To Me. We've got our biggest episode ever, thanks to the guys at Supernova Comic Con and Gaming Convention. We've got Christian Kane, James Masters, Graham McTavish, Shelley Hannick, Jodel Furland, RJ Mitty, and Will Friedel. All that and more on today's show. Stay tuned, it's going to be our biggest episode yet. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of Benjamin Man McKay's Talk To Me. I'm your host, Benjamin, and I couldn't be more excited about our fantastic lineup of guests today. We're going to start straight away, because uh, otherwise the show would run forever. But I do want to thank the wonderful guys over at Supernova, who set up all these interviews for us on site. So there is a little bit of background noise. And I'll, uh, I'll introduce every guest as, as we go along. So first, the star of the librarians, an angel... Here's Christian Kane talking about his life, career, and love of music. Enjoy. Welcome to the show. Thank thanks. you so much for joining me well, today. Well, thanks for having me, man. Come on. Now, why did you decide to pursue a career in the notoriously difficult performing arts? Well, it's funny, man. You know, I grew up as a kid, and I was always the new, the new guy on the block. I went to five different elementary schools, and it's, uh, you know, I've told this story before, but it was tough. I got beat up everywhere I went. I was always the new kid, and the movies were my best friend. And so I started watching movies, and I'm like, oh, you know what? I want to be a, a fighter pilot. I want to be a cocktail waiter. You know, a lot of these Tom Cruise references. But I want to be a Navy SEAL. I want to be a firefighter. You know, all this kind of stuff. And I realized, wait, if I'm an actor, I can do all of it. And every single one that I've listed, I've actually played so far. And I just, it, I grew up with the movies, and it was a way for me to escape. And so I'm very fortunate because I get to play make-believe for the rest of my life. And it's, uh, it's something I've always wanted to do. And in addition to acting, you've also got your music, yeah. but you do your own fights as well for the action sequences. I'm very fortunate, and I'm not sure how the producers have gotten away with it, uh, you know, but uh, I have ever since, uh, you know, since I first started. I'm a huge Steve McQueen fan, and, uh, you know, he did all his own stunts. There's one stunt he didn't do, which was a motorcycle jump, but if you actually look it up, Steve McQueen made the motorcycle jump. He just wrecked the motorcycle, so somebody else had to do it. So Steve McQueen did all his own stunts, and I'm a huge Steve McQueen fan, and at a young age and so I just realized and also you know nobody can do what I do you know what I mean like it, it's 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 amazing to that you don't if the camera if you you can't slow a stunt down and see a stunt double if you stop the camera it's gonna be me every time and it's just it's working with some cameramen and some and some directors of photography it's so much better when the actor can do their own stunts I don't know how I've gotten away with it but I have and I love it and it's basically a dance I'm not saying I'm a tough guy it's just basically a dance. I love to dance, and just happens to be that my dance is a fight. So, did you train with a stunt training involved, or was it? Just I, I didn't. You know, I grew up in the in the. In the I, I grew up in kind of the mean streets, or uh, you know, got beat up a lot. But um, but you know, you learn to fight by fighting, which is my one of my favorite quotes by Bruce Lee. And I just knew a lot about it. And so, at the time, I'm not going to let somebody step in that has never been in my situation growing up and do stuff for me when I probably know how to do it better than they do. You've mentioned uh, Steve McQueen, Bruce Lee, Tom Cruise. Uh -huh. Who's your biggest inspiration? As an actor? As an actor, yeah. Man, it goes, there, there's a lot of people out there, but I would have to say, you know, if I'm, if I'm really going to, you know, we all come out here to be, we all, when you're a kid, you come out to be Brad Pitt. You know what I mean? That's just what yeah. you want to do. But now I'm really happy with my career, and I think that, you know, now I just want to be Gene Hackman. You know, I want to be the person they call because, because they know they're going to get the job done, you know? But, I mean, it, it goes so far as to say, you know, Robert Duvall is a big... I got to play young Robert Duvall in Secondhand Lions. He was, he's somebody that I look up to. A, uh, an Anthony Hopkins. You know what I mean? You learn, you, you, like I said before, you learn to fight by fighting. You learn to act by acting. You learn to cook by cooking. You learn to dance by dancing. 
So I watched them and I studied them and, and, and it's very rare in this business that someone will do something that is brand new. Most of the time we're all stealing from other actors. And that's the honest to God truth. We're all, you know, we're all thieves. We're all thieves and liars in this business and we get paid a lot of money. So if I'm gonna steal from someone, it's gonna be some of the best. And I study them and uh, I, I look at what they do and, uh, and I try to do you know, sometimes my best impression of what they did. Uh, sometimes, sometimes better, sometimes worse. But it's um, it's a fun little game because we, we are we're uh, we're all it's like we're all in the game of, of you know we're liars and thieves, and you want to be the best at what you do. Absolutely, yeah. and you've got I think three movies coming out: a Christmas film, then two, or one more this year, one next year, and a brand new series of The Librarians. Yeah, brand new season of The season. Librarians. We're on season four right now, and uh, hoping to get a season five. And season uh, season four comes out. Uh, December 13th and so as soon as I'm done in Australia I, I, get, I get the honor of flying home and I start publicity for that so it's uh, so my, my year's over man it's already Christmas time for me but I'm but I'm, I'm loving it man I'm one of those guys that I have to be going 90 miles an hour with my hands on fire or I'll uh, or I you know idle hands are not good for me okay. yeah and in addition to all the acting uh -huh. you're also a musician I am. So, so when did music start to play a role in your life well, it's funny. People always ask, you know, oh, here's another actor that wants to be a singer or here's a singer that wants to be an actor. And the, the truth of the matter is I became both in one day. I, my very first TV show I ever did was called Fame L.A. And the person that I played was a singer. So I literally started both careers the exact same second. Not, not days apart. The exact same second. I became, I, I like to call myself an entertainer. I don't like to label one or the other. But I became an actor and a singer on the same exact day. So it's been very, I'm very fortunate in that, where I didn't have to go, you know, some people forget sometimes, but, I, but I'm quick to remind them. <laughs> How do you sort of get away from that stigma of, you know, the actor who's singing, like, you know, Keith Sutherland or Tom Cruise, they all, they all sing. Sure. But none of them are musicians, where you are actually a musician. I didn't know Keith Sutherland or Tom Cruise sang, but, uh, but you know, it's, it's one of those things, I mean, look at, look at Will Smith. You got to look at Will Smith. You got to look at somebody like Mark Wahlberg. You know what I mean? It's all. It, it, I, I like to. I like to. I like to say and value us as entertainers. So when someone brings up, "Are you a singer? Are you an actor? Or which one do you like most?" They're two different monsters, but at the same time, they're who we are. So I just. I just love to. Instead of saying singer or saying actor, I just love to use the the fact that we're entertainers, man. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. Keanu Reeves had his own band. You know, it's a, you know, it's there's so many people that like to you know, it's it's a form of art. And I, again, I'd like to say, I think it's idle hands. None of us want idle hands because they're not good for an actor. They're not good for a singer. So if we're not doing what we love, we go to the other thing that we love, and it's an art form. Both of them. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, we have to let you go and get back to super. Yeah, man. Here. But finally, what advice would you offer to anyone looking to work as an entertainer? You know, man, it's a lot different when I got off the bus in Los Angeles these days. It's a really, really tough thing. I wouldn't recommend it to anybody unless it's the only thing that you want to do in life. You have to be able to, you have to be willing, like I did and like everybody else I know, willing to give up everything to get what you want. You can have everything once you get there, but you got to be willing to give up everything. And it doesn't happen in six months. It may not happen in a year. It may not happen in 10 years. If you're willing to give up everything, and spend the rest of your life pursuing a dream that most people really shouldn't and probably wouldn't even think about because there's a lot of hard times. If you're willing to give up your life, you will at some point be successful and you'll find so much joy it's ridiculous. But you've got to be willing to give up the rest of your life. And a lot of people aren't willing to give that commitment. So it takes commitment, it takes perseverance, and like I said, you learn to fight by fighting.
You certainly do. Thank you so much for Thank joining me Thank you for having me, man. That was my chat with Christian Kane. Now, I can confirm we are going to get Christian back on the show at some point so I can do a proper hour-long interview because there's just so much in his career to talk about. So look out for that a little bit later on in our season. Next up, I bring you my chat with James Masters, who is notorious for playing Spike in Buffy and, of course, Angel as well. But he's also just joined the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the biggest franchise on the planet, with a role in the new Hulu series, The Runaways. Here's my chat with James. Enjoy. Welcome to the show. Thank, Thank you so you. much for joining me today. Right on. My pleasure. Now, we're here in Adelaide at Superman. Yeah. What do you love about doing conventions? Meeting the fans. Uh, I used to be a fan uh, of Star Trek. Uh, back in the late 70s, I was coming to these dressed as Spock with uh, really good pointed ears, uh, tunic that my sister helped me sew, and, and a big blonde afro because I couldn't control my hair. Uh, and I find that um, fans tend to be uh, funny and smart, but don't take themselves too seriously, which is uh, my favorite kind of person. Certainly uh, is. Yeah. Because you have that understanding of being on the other side of this, does that change how you approach sitting and signing autographs or taking photos? Um, I, I don't know. I've never been any, way, any other way. You know, I, I know that I'm very comfortable hanging out with these people. I feel like I'm with my people. Uh, um, and I, I also like genre uh, television and movies and books and stuff. Um, I find that genre uh, science fiction fantasy uh, tends to be more subversive than other forms. Um, and we can really kind of talk about social issues because we have the veneer of, oh, this is just vampires, it's just space travel. We're really not talking about the political system right now. Uh, and uh, I just finished a, a video game called Wolfenstein 2 which is so obviously a criticism of the political environment of my country. Uh, and it's so beautiful. And it, it just says it right out. So like white supremacists are morons. They are. And it just says it right there. Uh, and, uh, and, and then you get to shoot them in the head. So it's just a really good stress relief for me coming from the States, yeah. So do you think that art has a responsibility to convey political and social messages? Um, I kind of quail at responsibility. Uh, I think that art is expression, and sometimes that's just an expression of this is how it feels to be me today, and that's valid because uh, other people that feel that way can look at a piece of art and say, hey, I'm not alone. The artist felt this way too. And the artist gets to look at the audience responding to them, and they don't feel so alone. Uh, and that's not political at all. Um, sometimes it's just an artist saying, hey, have you noticed this is beautiful? Or I think this is important. Um, and sometimes an artist looks around and, and, and says, hey, this needs to be said. I, I think we're going in a direction that needs to be addressed. Uh, and that's also valid. Uh, yeah, it, it, it spans the, the spectrum. You know, um, just saw Blade Runner the new Blade Runner, oh my god, it's so good, and, and uh, even more important to think about now. Uh, I, I think my wife, we were, uh, she was having trouble with her phone, and she was uh, cussing out Siri, and I just kind of muttered, like, we are going to be so bad to robots, we're going to be horrible, and we kind of laughed at it, and then we went to see, we were driving on our way to see Blade Runner, and, and then afterwards it wasn't so funny, like, what happens when a when a robot can pass the Turing test. Are we going to be nice to them or not? I don't know. That is an interesting point. Yeah. Now, 
Speaking of just huge franchises, you've joined the Marvel ones. Yeah. I'm playing hooky right now. Like, I'm not going to see Stan Lee right now because I, I think he'd have a word with me. I should be back in the States doing promos for the for Runaways. Yeah. Well, that, I think it starts next week. Um, nope, no. nope, it's tonight. Tonight? Yeah, I was on. I was, I was uh, messaging some of the other cast members, and they're like, "Where are you, dude? We're working." Yeah. Well, uh, you play the villain of the piece. One of them. One of them. Yeah, of the yeah. It's about. It's uh, Runaways is uh, based on a comic book about teenagers that find out that their uh, parents are supervillains, which is pretty much every teenager on earth, really. Uh, but we, there, the ones in our show are actually right, uh, and. Uh, I get to play, I think, the biggest douchebag of the bunch. The other parents are mildly villainous, and I'm just horrible. I love it. You played a lot of villains in yeah. your career. Yeah. Would you ever like to play the hero? No, 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 no. No, heroes are hard, man. Heroes are always running and worrying and feeling guilty. They always feel guilty that they can't save everyone fast enough, and they are always running to try to do that. Uh, and they have to work really hard because they actually care. And villains just get to lurk in the shadows, wait for the, the, the hero to come running and huffing, huffing and puffing by and sweating. And, and then we jump out of the shadows and hit him in the face and then we all go home. And it's a much, it's, it's a way easier job. And also, villains age well. Like if I was a hero, I don't know that I'd be working anymore, but I'm a villain, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be the new Count Dooku. 78 years old, sword, sword play. Yeah. Believe, yeah, man. Surprising. Like, dude, that's that's some job security there. Yeah. Now you you're also a musician. Yeah. What came first for you, music or acting? Wow. That's a good. Acting, I think. Acting came. I started acting when I was in the fourth grade, so at nine, and I think I picked up guitar when I was eleven. So acting just by a little tiny bit. Yeah. Do you think, because of your established career, Buffy, Angel Extras like that, has made it easier to sell your music to fans? <laughs> a little bit, yeah. I, I remember uh, I, 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 I was in a band when I was in high school, and we were actually pretty good. We were called the Vandals. We did a lot of Clash covers, and we also did original stuff. But then after that, uh, I went to school for acting, and, and guitar just kind of came, came into the bedroom, and I stopped performing for money, you know, and... Uh, and then, when I got into Buffy, uh, it got out that I played guitar and all these clubs started wanting to book me around LA because they knew I'd sell, not because I was any good. And I was, I was horrible. I, I, I mean, like, I was good enough to impress a date, but not, like, it's it a huge difference between, oh, he's kind of good at that, to, oh, it's worth money. And I remember I was playing the Key Club, which is a major club in, in, in LA, and they came backstage, they were all excited, and they said, Pink is in the house. She can't wait to see your set. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, God, I'm going to break her heart. She knows what she's doing. And sure enough, by the intermission, Pink was not around anymore. And I haven't seen her since. I, yeah. But I've gotten better. You know, like, you just, you just keep plugging away. Uh, and that was 25 years ago. And uh, I've been with a, a band, Ghost of the Robot, for 15 years. We've been all over the world, sold lots of albums, sold out every club in London, Paris, Barcelona, Berlin, New York. Um, and I got to say, if you keep plugging away for, for 15, 25 years, you get pretty good. And at this point, I'm worth money. Yeah. So when can fans expect your next album? Uh, the first of the year. Uh, it'll be available, uh, it's Ghost of the Robot, and it'll, it'll, the album, the new one is called Parables, as in Pair of Bulls. 
and uh, it'll be digitally released on uh, iTunes. Uh, it'll also be uh, streamed on Spotify, and it'll be on Amazon. Uh, but you can go to gotrmusic.com uh, uh, for a physical copy if you want. We'll put a link to that in the show notes for fans. Right on. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, my pleasure, pleasure brother. Yeah, my pleasure. Congratulations on all your viewers. Thank you. That was my chat with the lovely James Masters. Next up, Graham McTavish joins me. He's from The Hobbit. He's in Preacher, and he's also in the very popular and very sexy Outlander. Here's my chat with Graham. Enjoy. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you. Now, what inspired you to become an actor? Um, yes, I wish it was. I wouldn't let him milk cows back at home. <laughs> That's okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. Good, mate. Good, good. Um, what inspired me? I, I probably wasn't so much. Um, inspired exactly as I ended up uh, being asked to be in a play when I was 17 uh, by my drama teacher who, um, well it wasn't my drama teacher, he was the drama teacher and he'd asked me several times before, I used to perform comic sketches at school and uh, on this occasion I still don't know why I agreed to do it, I said yes and the next thing I know I was doing one performance of a play called The Rivals and it went down well and that was that. It was just a, like a fork in the road that uh, I took that I didn't realise where it would lead, I suppose. So, like many of us, I suspect. And it's led to some great places to you, The Hobbit and Outlander. Mm. When you joined The Hobbit, Lord of the Rings was already such an established franchise. Yes. So what was it like on that first day? Was everything already prepared with the sets and the, the huge budget? Well, they'd done a lot of prep, yeah. You know, they'd, they'd worked on our character designs. But we... Um, we had three months of what they called dwarf boot camp uh, to get ready. So we did everything from learning how to walk as a dwarf to speaking dwarvish to physical and stunt training and all of that kind of stuff. And in that three months, a lot of the stuff came together. They had something like over a hundred sets that they moved around. And they would move one in and out, sometimes twice a day. Um, and yeah, the, their accomplishment as a production team was extraordinary. I remember that um, one of the cast explained to me that Ian McKellen wasn't actually filmed with you so they could do the height. How did that work for you as an actor when you're talking to Gandalf who's not there? Yes, it's strange. Uh, sometimes we did shoot with Ian. If we were on a platform, he'd be on a platform and we'd be on the ground and that kind of thing. And we had scale doubles. Ours weren't used very much, but he had a seven foot two scale double who when they did back shots of him, that worked. But yeah, I, I think Ian found it more difficult because he was always on the green screen set. We were on the physical set. So we would rehearse together so we knew what we were doing. And then he was sent to this little green room to talk to lighting stands with our faces on them. And he found that genuinely distressing. Uh, I remember him crying. I mean, he was very open about it. He, he, he wept one day because he found it very difficult to do. And the action sequences in the hair and makeup and heavy costumes. Yeah. How was that for you physically when you were shooting that? You know. It was very tiring. That's why we had to get very fit. Um, I, I trained for six months in very intense physical training for six months for that job, and I've never been fitter in my life than when I did the Hobbit. Um, we would have because we had prosthetics on, and I have prosthetic arms that weighed two and a half kilos each. Um, my costume weighed. Well, I, I think in pounds, so my costume weighed about 75 pounds. And uh, when you fight in that, there's nowhere for the heat to go, so your heart rate spikes almost immediately. And the key is that you can only really sustain that kind of physical effort for 
maybe three minutes. It's your recovery time that's important. So you're able to recover quickly and then be able to throw again. And some were better at that than others. Uh, but I was glad that I was able to do all my, you know, my fighting, my stunts and stuff. Fantastic. Now, what is one, one show or one movie franchise you'd like to join in the future? Um, I'd love to do... I'd love to work with James Cameron on Avatar. I think it would be such a... Such an extra... His vision, his... He's got such a, a complete vision of that world. And it's really become his life's work. And I'm very interested in becoming part of something that's so so particular to a particular um, artist like him. And I would love to work on that. I think it would be physically challenging again, uh, emotionally challenging, but really rewarding. Again. I think it would be so. Well, thank you for joining me. I've got to let you go back to the con. But thanks once again for being on the My show. My pleasure. Thank you. Next up, we welcome Shelley Hennig. Now, Shelley is the star of Teen Wolf, which ended this year, and she's also been in Days of Our Lives. Here's my chat with Shelley. Enjoy. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Now, what inspired you to pursue a career in the performing arts? Um, what inspired me? I have an interesting uh, beginning. I was a dancer. We had a family tragedy. My dance teacher sort of took me under her wing and told me to do this pageant. This pageant wound up being Miss Teen Louisiana. I somehow won and then somehow won Miss Teen USA and then with that got a scholarship to a film and television conservatory in New York. It was free living and free schooling in New York. More than what, you know, small town, uh, middle class family. This was a great opportunity. Went to school, fell in love, worked really, really hard, busted my ass for two years. Uh, at the school and then booked a job in LA and I've been acting ever since. Do you think it's important for young actors to train at conservatories or universities to work? Literally the most important in my opinion. It doesn't have to be a conservatory. It's I think it's different for everybody where they feel like they can learn best. Um, my conservatory that I went to, the New York uh, Conservatory for Dramatic Arts, they just, I just happened to really get on with the staff and um, I they just made sense to me, and um, I'm still actually very close with them and still work with one of my teachers. So we're here today at Supernova, which is a sci-fi convention. It is. What do you love meeting about the fans? Um, what do I love meeting about the fans? Well, I mean, I just love meeting them in general. Yeah. Um, I think I think Teen Wolf brings a really clever group of, of followers. I think they're unique. I think they are creative and so enthusiastic and I find that I can relate to a lot of the fans and they really make me laugh. I think they're, I think Teen Wolf is a show about the underdog and I feel like it's, it brings a lot of these quirky personalities that I really get on with. And Teen Wolf is obviously a show that features a lot of effects. Does that make your life harder when you're working with CGI things? (laughs) Not necessarily CGI, but like um, special effects makeup. Mm that adds a lot of hours to your day, but it, you look so cool when it's done. We had the best special effects makeup team. I mean, it was unbelievable what they were capable of doing. Um, you just have to know that your day is gonna be longer, um, and you just have to be able to sit really still and not have sensitive skin. <laughs> um, no, it's cool, because once you have it all together, you feel really in character, and. I mean, we're actors. We're supposed to play dress up, so it's it's a luxury when we get to do stuff like that. But it it does require 
more patients. When you say a longer day, what what kind of longer day? Oh, is I mean, that? we've done sixteen-hour days on Teen Wolf. I mean, I'm used to long hours, and I've been doing some films since I left Teen Wolf, and they apologize when the day goes over twelve, and I'm like, this is nothing, and I'm like the one like running around on set with a smile on my face because I'm used to a lot worse. Not worse conditions, that sounds terrible. Um, a lot, but And that was, I said from day one on Teen Wolf, I said, if, if I'm going to be doing long days, because we shot the, mo- the show like it was a movie, and that's why we're all so proud of it, and that's why you deal with it. You're like, this is a show to be proud of. Let's do what we got to do. Um, and on my first day on Teen Wolf, I went home that night, and I was like, I can do long hours on a show with people like this. So do you think that people like the experience? They do. And I was actually shopping around at the time. I was very lucky spot in my career where I, I didn't need to jump onto anything very quickly. So I got to sort of test the waters on Teen Wolf and I didn't even realize the, the, I don't think I realized what I was stepping into because I agreed to stay on the show simply because I loved the people on set and I loved the creator. Jeff Davis um, and the directors I had worked with Tim Andrew on my first day and and he and I really connected and so when they asked me to stay I stayed because of the people I didn't really necessarily know the fame or success that the show had that's not why I stayed I stayed um, just being from a small town Louisiana that the people were just at that time in my career that was very important to me a sense of family yeah and that's what I got now, it did wrap up. Team will finish this year. It did. So, how, how does that make you feel now that you're not seeing that family? God, I feel like I'm going week? through, like, a midlife crisis. Like, I don't have my family every day. Um, that family. I have, have blood family. Uh, but, um, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a cool transition. I've been doing a lot more comedy, um, which has been an interesting change. And uh, I think one that I'm open to. And uh, I don't know what I'm saying. It's just been... This show takes me all over the world. Here I am in Australia at Supernova and um, meeting Australian fans who are just so excited to see people from their favorite American shows or movies to be here because it's so far away. But I'll come back anytime. So um, we'll let you go back to the fans. Cool. Thank you so much for joining Thank us today. You. It's been a pleasure having you yes, on the show. Yes, what a pleasure. Thank you. That was my chat with Shelley. Next up, I speak with Jodel Furland from Twilight and Dark Matter. Here's that chat. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me Thank today. Thank you. Now, why do you love doing conventions? Ah, for so many reasons, but mostly because I'm very geeky myself, and uh, I go to conventions in my spare time anyway, so it's kind of unbelievable that this is my job. I love it. I, I love being surrounded by everything geeky, all the different fandoms, and uh, getting to meet the fans of the shows that I've been in and geek out over it. Yeah. Who have you fanned over the most when meeting at a convention? David Tennant. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm a big Whovian and I nearly passed out. I actually started shaking. I've never found girls so hard in my life. I just, I was completely caught off guard. He walked in when we were doing an interview for Dark Matter and right in the middle of the interview, I just like froze because David Tennant walked in and I could not function. It was awful. <laughs> <laughs> 
So you were a part of Twilight, which yeah. is one of the reasons I suppose you're here today. Hmm. Twilight was already such a huge phenomenon when you joined it. Yeah. So what was the atmosphere like surrounding the audition process and just getting to work on the films? Yeah, I mean, it was it was a little bit crazy. I never thought that I would actually get the part. Hmm. I was just excited to even have an audition for it. I mean, that's pretty cool. I auditioned for a lot of different things, and I only get a few of them. Um, so I really wasn't expecting to make it that far. And, uh, and then I found it. I was shortlisted for it, which means there's only a few people that they're going to decide between, and uh, I was pretty shocked when I actually ended up being able to be a part of it. I mean, especially because two movies had already come out, uh, you know, and all the books as well, and it was already huge, so it was, uh, it was a little bit crazy to step into that in the middle of it, but everybody was so welcoming, and I, I loved I loved working on that set. I actually had a birthday in the middle of filming, which is a pretty cool way for a teenage girl to spend a birthday on the set of the highlight. And being a teenager, did that make your life harder? Trying to juggle, I suppose, you know, actual life as a teenager as well as films? Yeah. Um, I mean, I've never done anything else. My mom put me into acting when I was two years old, so I just, uh, I've never had a regular job, and I don't really know any other life, but I definitely wouldn't say it was easy. It's, uh, it's a crazy job no matter how old you are, but uh, if you love it, it's worth it. So what advice would you offer to people looking to do it full-time? <laughs> Just know that it's not as glamorous <laughs> as people seem to think it is. It's not all red carpets. That's actually only a very tiny part of it. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's difficult. And there's going to be a lot of times where you want to give up and where you feel like it's too hard. But, uh, but if you love doing it, then it's completely worth it. And you're going to have to work really hard, but it will pay off. So what stops you from giving up when it gets hard? Um, I don't know what else I would do is pretty much it. Like, what other options do I have? I don't know. Um, I, I really do love it, though, but uh, I've, taken, I've taken breaks before um, just to make sure that this is really what I want to do because it's not something that you want to be in if you're not 100% in it. Like, you have to be fully dedicated and passionate about it. Otherwise, you're just not going to get anywhere. Um, so I, I did take a couple of breaks, uh, once for like a year and did other things and uh, had kind of a normal life and a regular schedule and it was, you know, it was, it was good for a little while and then I got bored and so every time I feel like it's too difficult and I want to give up, I remember that and I know that I, <laughs> I would, I would get bored if I stopped and I'm always going to want to come back to it. So, yeah. Did you find it hard to get back in because I know the industry is really who you know so when you take a year off it can be yeah Um, and I was really lucky I didn't really think about it at the time I knew that I just needed to do something else for a little Mm. while because I've been acting since I was two years old I'd never done anything else in my life Um, so I felt like I couldn't keep doing it for the rest of my life without just kind of taking a little bit to regroup and make sure that I wanted to keep going and um, yeah it can be hard and I think if it was any more than a year or so, I I might not have been able to get back into it because I have a lot of friends that uh, struggle to get into the industry in the first place. So I I really just, I got lucky that it was easy for me to get right back into it and I booked Dark Matter shortly after that break. I believe Dark Matter is over now, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, we have three good seasons, uh, which is more than a lot of shows get, but unfortunately it's not going to continue anytime soon. Maybe a movie or something eventually, you know, Firefly style. Nice way to wrap up for the fans, (laughs) anyway. So what comes next for you, then? Uh, Well, a few things. I I just finished filming a couple things before I came to Australia, just a few days before. 
one of them was uh, a guest star on a show in Canada that I don't think I can announce yet because they haven't, but I also did a web series called Darken. Um, it's, uh, the web series is a prequel to a movie called Darken, um, and Paul Amos is in it. He was in Lost Girls, so fans of that will, uh, will enjoy it. I know a lot of Lost Girl and Dark Matter fandoms kind of crossovers. Yeah. Well, look, thank you for your time. We've got to let you get back to the con, but it's been a pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you so much. That was my chat with the lovely Jodelle Furland. Next up, I speak with Breaking Bad star RJ Mitty, who's in Australia to film a brand new comedy. Enjoy. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Now, what inspired you to become an actor? Uh, I mean, if you move to Los Angeles and you don't go to school, you don't join a gang and you don't act, you're not going to have friends. So uh, I started doing it to meet kids my own age, and then it just turned into a career. And, um, not promoting to call. <laughs> no. Um, uh, yeah, it just kind of it just kind of evolved into what I have now, and I'm, I'm very lucky for that. And just really, once you're in it, you're in it. And I just, I love creating. I love, I love what I get to do, and the people I get to meet. And it kind of has continued me to, to do that. So. And who's the person that you've worked with who you've learned the most from? I don't know. That's a, that varies. So I, I learn from everyone. I learn from everyone I encounter. There's not a person that I, I meet I don't learn something from. Um, so it's it's very difficult to say. I, I learn something different from every person I encounter and it's forever evolving, so... And you're in Australia shooting a film. I am. I am. What well, can you tell us about that? Uh, it's a good one. It's a good film. Um, no, it's called uh, Standing Up for Sunny. We have uh, um, Philippa Northeast from our Home and Away and uh, some amazing other projects. And um, it's... Um, um, oh, my God. Uh, Italia Hunt who is this uh, amazing Kiwi actor who I'm, I've really become really good friends with. And, um, and it's kind of the story of this guy who really, he doesn't want to be a part of the world. He, he wants the world to just go and him to just stay home and just pretty much just go home, go to work, and then die, really. He just, not, and I know that's a little deep, but like, you know, you get these moments where you're just like, I just don't want to do this anymore. I just don't want to, just, I just want to, like, just lay down and I'm okay if I don't wake up. And he's kind of at that point where he just kind of is an ass and he just continues to be an ass to everyone he, he, he knows. And he encounters these people that teach him that, look, it's okay if you're an ass. It's okay. We accept you that for, for being like that. But at the end of the day, though, you do have friends and people do care about you. And it's okay that um, it's okay to be you, but but be you. Don't don't hide behind a fake persona. Don't don't attack your friends. Don't attack the people you love um, because you will be alone if you do that. And he kind of comes to the realization and it evolves, and it's good. It certainly sounds great. I'm excited. Now we do have to let you go, but what advice would you offer to anyone looking to work in the performance industry? Uh, sorry about the extra. Sign up as extra, start working in extra casting, start like just kind of getting on sets, schooling. If if you're if you're good at schooling, I'm a I'm a horrible 
schooler. Um, I was not my favorite thing. And, uh, but, like, uh, yeah, like, home your craft, prepare, but sign up for actual work. It's a great way to get on a set. It teaches you a lot. And, I mean, what else are you doing with your time? Exactly. So. Well, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. Pleasure. Pleasure's all mine. Thank you for having me. That was my chat with the lovely RJ Mitty. Now, last on the show today is Will Friedel. Will is best known for his work in Kim Possible, Boy Meets World, and, of course, voicing Batman. Now, due to some very, very loud background noise, we do lose the first minute or 30 seconds of my chat with Will. The background noise was just too loud, and we didn't want to put that out there. But the rest of the chat with Will is still great. He just does have a little bit more of an abrupt start than usual. However, enjoy. So you took on Batman, yep. which is a hugely iconic role. Yeah. How did you make your interpretation of Batman different to everything else that was already out there? Uh, I was very lucky in that I never had to play Bruce Wayne. Mm -hmm. So I was the first Terry McGinnis, so I know that uh, it was certainly easier because whatever I did was right, because they, no one's ever done it before. Mm. Um, so I, you know, I'm sure there'll be another Terry McGinnis, and hopefully they'll have my shoes to fill. But uh, yeah, I was lucky in that I had, I had Kevin Conroy, who plays Batman, sitting right next to me for three years, teaching me the ropes, teaching me how to do it. and. Um, other than that, it was I got to I got to kind of create as I went because no one had done it before. I'm glad I didn't I never had to play Bruce Wayne. Um, Bruce Wayne would have been tough, but uh, Terry McGinnis was all right. Will you ever return to Batman if that opportunity is offered? I hope so. You know, everybody talks about the Arkham games, so, so hopefully, eventually, they'll do a, a, a Batman Beyond Arkham, which would be pretty awesome. Fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> now, the role that I remember you from is Ron in Kim Possible. <laughs> Ron Stappable. Yeah, that was me. <laughs> it's so fantastic just to hear that even now. When you do shows specifically targeted at kids, mm -hmm. do you have to change anything about your delivery? Is it slower? Is it more of a character voice? No, not really. Again, it all depends on the project. Um, Kim Possible was one of those things that we, did, we did, had no idea how popular that show was going to be. Um, and it just worked. So, uh, you know, you had this, this female superhero, this heroine, and she was so phenomenal and then to have the male sidekick, I thought was a cool way to, to, to do it. Mm. And he was just all about friendship and all about love. And one thing you learn when you're, especially when you're working with Disney or Nickelodeon or any of the things that are kind of targeting children is the best shows are the shows that don't talk down to kids. Um, they talk to them. And I think Kid Possible was one of those shows. So no, we never really went too cartoony. I mean, Ron was was cartoony just because he was Ron. Yeah. Um, but she never really got cartoony. We never really slowed down the dialogue or, or wrote it young. We just wrote it well, and then uh, the kids followed, which was great. And at that time, it was kind of rare to have a female leading a show, especially one targeted the kids. Yeah. When you got that script, how did that make you feel, seeing something so great back then? I thought it was amazing, because we were just finishing up with Batman Beyond, which was very male-driven. So to go from that to, uh, you, know, and, and, uh, you know, to Kim Possible, who was smart, funny, a cheerleader, so they didn't do anything they didn't make her tomboy which is kind of the stereotypical like oh she's got to be a superhero so she's got to be a tomboy no she was a cheerleader she liked clothes she they they didn't make her any less quote-unquote girly they just made her a badass and so that was uh i thought that was a big change and i think that kind of started a whole new trend in in cartoons for girls which i thought was amazing now one thing that's been prevalent in the media of late is the assault and yeah yeah the, tr the uh, treatment towards women in Hollywood. Horrifying. Is that something you've seen or been aware of in the voice industry as well as on screen? No, I mean, voice industry, no. I mean, it's never something I've ever pers personally witnessed. That's not to say it hasn't happened. Um, it's one of those things where these stories keep coming out and 
the, the one is more horrifying than the next. Um, so it's a perfect time right now to kind of get rid of a lot of these men um, and some women, but it's mostly the men uh, where it's just using their power to. Uh, it's you get chills when you talk about it. It's really pretty disgusting. But no, the, the voiceover world, it's a very close-knit community. You tend to work with all the same people over and over again. I've never personally seen it, and again, that does not mean that it hasn't happened. Um, but no, I've been lucky in that I, I haven't been privy to it in any way. And I also like to say that a lot of the men that I work with, um, especially in the VO world, I think, and I don't like to talk for other people, but I think if anybody saw it, we would say something and do something about it. Like, we don't let that, that kind of stuff fly. Um, so yeah, it's, if it does happen, I've never seen it. But I'm, again... Hopefully it doesn't, but you never know. You, you just never, never know. know. Yeah. yeah. Now, we will have to let you go back and to the fans here at Supernova, <laughs> but um, what, what advice would you offer to anyone looking to work in the voiceover industry? Um, I think the first thing I tell people is when they hear voice actor, they forget the actor part and think it's just doing funny voices. Mm-hmm. you got to remember that it's acting, and you got to work on your acting. Um, being an actor is the most important part. If you can then add funny voices to good acting, then you're fine. Um, the other thing I would say is we get asked this question all the time. So, uh, D. Bradley Baker and Steve Bloom, who are two very big voiceover actors, have both come up with systems that you can follow, kind of from point A to point B, of how to get into the industry, how to work in the industry, how to really work with your acting chops and uh, get agents and things like that. So, I would say look at D. Bradley Baker's website and follow the new stuff that Steve Bloom's going to be doing. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Today, thank Will. you. It's been a real pleasure. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Well, that is the end of our show. That was our Supernova special with seven guests. Thanks so much to all of them, Christian, James, Graham, Shelley, Jodell, RJ, and Will. And also thanks to the guys over at Supernova who made all of that possible. We had a great weekend there, and Supernova do a lot of events throughout the year, so we'll have more interviews surrounding their events next year as well. As always, I want to thank our incredible supporters, Palace Nova Cinemas and Mad Zombie Collectibles. There are a ton of brand new movie reviews over on the website as well, so I do encourage you to check those out, as I've seen a lot of the movies that will be coming out over the Christmas season, and there are some great ones, but there are also some terrible ones you may want to stay away from. Something else that I'd like to quickly mention before I leave you today is that we have a brand new audio drama coming out November 30, starring Back to Nominee and the Doctor from Doctor Who himself, Paul McGann, and Australia's own star of Wolf Creek, John Jarrett. Now, the audio drama is called The Phoenix Files, Man in the Shadows. It's part one of a trilogy. The next two parts will be released next year. It's a sci-fi adventure. It's based off a very, very popular series of young adult novels from Australia. They've sold worldwide, and there are fans everywhere, as testament to the fan forums and artwork online. We're very excited to bring you this audio drama. It's got a cast of 42 actors across the three uh, series. Yeah, it stars Paul McGann, John Jarrett, Andrew Hansen from The Chaser, who's been on the show, is in it. Kurt Phelan, who's also been on the show a couple of times, is in it. He's over in New York now, pursuing his Broadway dreams, but he recorded his part before he left. And uh, Stephen Mahi as well, who's an incredible Australian performer. And then we've got a cast of professional local talent as well. It's fantastic. You can pre-order it right now on iTunes, Amazon, and Google Play. There'll be links in the show notes. And it runs for nearly three hours, so it's great value. You can put it on in the car, on your way to work, the tram, and we really hope you enjoy it. And parts two and three have been recorded and will be out next year, so don't, don't worry about uh, missing out in the end. There will definitely be the full trilogy. We're not going to pull a divergent on you. So I do encourage you to check that out. I've really enjoyed making it. I've still got a lot of work to do on parts two and three, but part one is available on November 30, but you can pre-order right now. 
Well, that's it for us today. I've been your host, Benjamin Mamakay. I hope you've enjoyed this very special episode, and I look forward to bringing you more later in the year. Bye for now.